You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, this is not the tropical paradise I was in last week, but it's still paradise. It's good to be back with you guys and uh one of the things I love about what I get to do and one of the things that I've been fortunate to do is God has afforded me education. And I think that's one of the things that, that is, I was in the midst of that and getting through all that stuff, the pain of all that, but also the beauty of that is knowing that God's allowed me to go different places around the world and to share that education. And God has uh, funded that and, uh, and uh, it's fun to see other people um, gain from those things that, that pastors talk about and think about and all that different stuff. And so thank you for the opportunity to do that. And in a rough place, like a tropical paradise, like uh, Vieques and Puerto Rico and all that and other things. But hey, this morning we continue our series. We finish up our series Reboot and thinking about um, temptation. And so I'm thinking about this idea for us of what does it look like for us to sit at the feet of Jesus and that if we're truly his disciples, what it means for us is to sit at his feet and that everywhere we go, people know that we're disciples of Jesus because we're so much like our rabbi, like our teacher, that they can see in us him. And that's what it meant in Jesus's day to be a rabbi, that to be a student, to be a disciple is, is that a rabbi would reach out to people and say, hey, I would I see something in you. I would I would like for you to become a student of mine and to study and to literally to sit at my feet and to study and to know the things that I'm teaching. And so it was very common for rabbis at each little synagogue and place to have 12 disciples that would sit and study and so that they would go to different places that they go to and whenever those disciples would go out, people would say, oh, I could tell that you're a student of rabbi so-and-so because of the stories you tell, because of the way that you do different things, that you mimic that person. And so that's what Jesus asked of us. He says, will you become a student of mine? Will you sit at my feet and study the way that I live, the way that I love, the way that I do things? And so that as you go to and fro through the streets and do life, people will know that you sit at the feet of Jesus, the rabbi Jesus, and they see us, see him in us. And so over these last few weeks, that's what we've really been talking about is we've been rebooting and one of the things that we dealt with, that I dealt with over the last few weeks in Puerto Rico, the main question that was asked was, how are we dealing with, how are you dealing with inner health, which was for them is mental health. And so this idea of um, them rebooting, what does it look like for our souls and our hearts and our minds to be okay? And again, over these last few weeks, we've talked about this idea of that COVID kind of forced us to push pause and for many of us in this forced pause, we realized that we weren't okay. That in the busyness of life, we had become so busy that we had medicated ourselves with busyness or we had medicated ourselves with other things in the midst of our busyness. And then when we were forced to pause, the medication wore off. 
And the binging of Netflix or whatever we were binging, that wore off and boredom came. And then in that pause, we realized that in the depths of our heart, the depths of the house and our soul in our house, there were some places that were unclean, that were untouched, that we didn't even want to go to and delve into. But now they're sitting there and every single day in COVID, we were walking by them and realized we've got to deal with them. And so in the midst of all that, we struggled even more with anxiety. We struggled even more with depression. We struggled even more with all these different things. And and part of that, too, loneliness, and part of that, too, was because of the forced pause and the forced loneliness, we weren't with community even. And so maybe some of the places that we would have run to, a life group or different things like that, that we would have maybe possibly run to, we didn't even have that available to us. And so that forced pause, the forced loneliness, even pushed that even more so. So the things that we had pushed down and medicated were coming up. They were bubbling up. And so that the fire of COVID was kind of boiling the impurities of all those things there. And so that was the question and the things that even in Puerto Rico that they're dealing with. And I'm telling you, like, they're still wearing masks. They're still doing the hands. They're still checking vax cards and stuff like that. And so it was some ways I was jumping back and some stuff and, and maybe even continue to think about the impact that it's had. And so for us as disciples of Jesus... In some ways, hopefully, it's forced us in times where we've been running past him. That it's forced us to stop and to pause and to sit at his feet. And I think about the story of Mary and Martha. And I think that's one of the things that we miss even in that story. Is One is, is that Mary and Martha and Mary understood that she had the privilege of sitting down at the feet of Jesus. And so she sat at the feet of Jesus and was a student of his, which was unique. Women usually didn't have that opportunity to sit at the feet of the rabbi like others did. And so she took that uniqueness. But Martha was like so many of us is that we're going and doing for Jesus and not being with him. That in American culture, we're really good doers. But sometimes we struggle with being human beings and just be. And that's part of that is because we've medicated, because we've pushed down. And so for us, I think this last few weeks for us to think about what does it mean to have inner healing means to get back to sitting at the feet of Jesus. And one of the questions the disciples asked was to teach me to pray. And that means to sit with God and to sup and dine with him. And that for many of us, we haven't sat with God and enjoyed a long course meal. You know, some of those French cuisine things, you know, it's nine, 10, 12 courses and the length of a meal together. You got to have something that you bring to the table to talk about. And so for us to sit at the table of God and to sup with him and to bring the things of life that are with us. And so this morning, as we kind of close out this series, I want us to kind of dig back into the end of that passage. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter four. And what does it mean for us to be human and to struggle with temptation? Now, temptation in and of itself is not the sin. We all have temptations. We all struggle with temptation. That's a part of being human. It's that next step where we say, okay, here's the temptation. Then we jump over into the sin. We sin. We look at the temptation and then we sin because we believe sin's promise that it's going to bring us in this moment some pleasure. Even though maybe we've pursued it once before and it maybe brought temporary pleasure, but it didn't bring fulfillment and peace and hope. And so we think, well, this time is going to be different. And so as disciples of Jesus, we're going to struggle with that. But temptation is meant 
literally for it's a test to be passed, not a test to be failed. And the reason that it's a test to be passed, because it's not in our own strength and our own wisdom, but God actually gives us the ability and the strength through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome it. And it's this idea of life is going to light up the fire around us, and in the lighting up the life of the fire, it's going to bring some impurities to the top. And so that, that those temptations are going to come, and a lot of that time is God has allowed that in our life. He doesn't tempt us, but He allows them. And in the midst of the, the flame of life, the impurities of who we are without Christ have a tendency to come to the top. And so what God's wanting is that the fires of life would do that out so the impurities can come out. So that on the flip side of that, it's when the fires of life come that we've been marinated such in the things and the flavor of God. That instead of impurities coming out in the old self, that the flavor of God comes out. Whenever life squeezes us like a good steak, you can see the juices and the flavors there. And so for us, the longer we're in Christ, the longer we sit at the feet of Jesus, instead of the impurities of life coming out before. Now in Christ, the flavor of God comes out. And so that there are going to be moments where God allows temptation to come because he's purifying us and getting us. And so that people can see in us that instead of junk coming out that maybe came out before, that they can see in the midst of the difficulties of life that there's hope, that there's joy, that there's peace, that we can love those that maybe we wouldn't naturally love. So if you have your Bibles, look with me in Matthew chapter 4. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen or there's some of those things there on your phone or whatever. Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, right before this is chapter 3. Amazing. And in chapter 3, what happens is is that Jesus is beginning his public ministry. And so what's just happened before this is he's been baptized by John the Baptist. And a miracle happened in the midst of that. One, he was baptized. And then the heavens opened up. A dove came down. And God, the voice of God, was heard by those around. And it was said, the voice said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, what child doesn't want to hear that from their parent? This is my child in whom I'm well pleased. Just because you're my child, right? And so here in that moment, Jesus, the son, hears that from the father. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then immediately in chapter 4, what happens? He's led. Now, that word led, we have a tendency to think of someone dragging us. But in the reality, what this word means here is that it's allowed. That God the Father understood the plan and purpose of Jesus' life and his ministry and the things that had to take place to validate that Jesus was who he said he was and who God the Father obviously had made him to be. And so for all of that to take place, this had to be allowed by God the Father. So it was this allowed by being led. And so Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And we think of a wilderness, we think about going out, but it's more like a desert with some mountains. It's totally different than what we normally think of as a wilderness. And so he went out there to be tempted there by the devil. Now the devil, as we've talked about, is the evil one, the deceiver, the liar, the destroyer. And so here Jesus has been baptized, he's led out, and now God allows him to be tempted. But God doesn't tempt us, right? So in James chapter 1, verse 13 and 15, we've talked about this a few times. Remember, when you're saying that you're tempted, do not say God is tempting you. Why? Because God never tempts us. God's never tempted to do wrong. Therefore, he never tempts anyone else. Where does temptation come from? Next part of the verse. Temptation comes from our own desires. In other words, you're human, you're fallen, you have sin that resides with inside of you, and so it just kind of bubbles up. 
with inside of us, which entices us and drags us away. There's desires that are within you give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And as we've said several different times, these are ugly babies. And all of us have seen ugly babies. We know that they're ugly babies. We don't like to tell people that their babies are ugly, but there are some baby, uh, ugly babies. And so sin is we're carrying them around. Okay, so you got an ugly baby that you carry around and it is yours. And so, again, God uses these temptations and the world's evil for his plans and purposes in our life and in Jesus's life. But first Corinthians chapter 10 temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That should be encouraging. That means that as you get to know people, even the people next to you, you can maybe bump them and say, your life is just as messy as mine. You're just as weird as I am. You struggle with some of the same things that I struggle with. You're 100%. This makes us human. The fact that we struggle with things. But here's the beautiful thing. But God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations... That you struggle with to be more than you can stand. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, yeah, but last week or the week before or whatever. Listen, more than you can stand, but it's in the context of his strength. What's the next part say? When you were tempted, he will show you a way so that you can endure or get out or to flee. In other words, there's an out plan. There's an exit. So the temptations that may rise up with inside of us, we see them, we're enticed by them, but there's always a way out. It's in those moments that we decide, do I trust God that he's going to care for me or am I going to choose that this one time this thing will be different than ever before and I will have peace, I won't have shame, I won't have regret. Many times we don't trust God. We think, well, maybe this time. Maybe this time will be different. You can put your neighbors and say, yeah, this week, right? This week. We are all human. Again, it's not our ability on our own to withstand the temptation. But it's the power that we have in Christ. The scripture tells us that the same power through the spirit that raised Christ from the dead also resides within inside of you. So that in that moment of temptation... As the Spirit whispers truths to you, you are valuable. You are worthy. You do not need that. Quit going to the back of the, quit walking through the restaurant to the back alley and getting the scraps. You should sit down at the table of God. All the different things that are lies that you've bought into is the reason that you pursue the temptation instead of listening to the whispers of God of, you are valuable. You are worthy. You have a seat here at the table of God. He's got your nameplate. It's reserved for you. He made a reservation for you. He has a gift for you. He has the best for you. If we believe those things, then we wouldn't chase these other things. We would have the joy and the peace and the hope in the midst of life's situations. But so many times we pursue other things because we believe lies about ourselves. The temptation is always there for us to embarrass ourselves. And we admit that we are susceptible to yielding to temptation. I think one of the things that I do love about traveling to other places in the world is when other places in the world say, let's pray, they mean it. I mean, there's every once in a while, I, I, I'm 
in my humanness, I'll, I'll tell you that there are moments when I'm at other places in the world and they say, let's pray. I'm like, oh, it's already eight o'clock. I'm already hungry. And I know when they say, let's pray, it's not going to be five minutes. It's going to be we're on our face pleading that God will do something. And I think part of that is because they believe that Satan is active and alive. That they believe that God is up to something and that if we don't pray that we're doing it at our own strength and our own power. And they don't want to be a part of a church that's like that. They don't want a life like that because they've experienced life outside of that. And they believe that the evil one is actively pursuing them and wants to is prowling and looking to devour them. And they believe it and they've seen it. And so prayer for them is a serious act of business. Because they understand Satan has an agenda and his to tell us that bad is good and that wrong is right and that things that are harmful are actually healthy and they get it. And so they get into it. And in First Peter chapter 5, even stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. One of the things that I've noticed over the years being in church is that the And in scripture is that most of the time throughout scripture, whenever it says you, it's not an individual you, but it's a you in community. And so this is one of those verses that it's it's a community verse. And so whenever we do life in church, we're to do life in community. It's not a Christianity is not a lone ranger thing. And so when I think about this verse in this passage, I think about how the church should be a circle and we're shoulder to shoulder and we're doing life and that there's times in life as a church and a community that our circle is facing inward like today and we're fellowshipping, we're singing, we're hearing God's word, we're, we're encouraging one another. But then when we leave here in a little bit, our circle doesn't face inward, but our circle faces outward. And so we're still shoulder to shoulder, we're still fighting together, we're still moving together, but we're looking outwardly for people that don't know Jesus, that are not a part of the community. And so what are we doing? We're inviting them in to be a part of this community. We're saying, hey, you need to be in Christ. And so we're talking to them and inviting them in so that hopefully in the next few weeks, they're a part of the circle and they're fellowshipping with us in Christ. And so that in Christ, what one of the things about this circle is, is that we should find people that we can share life with so that when someone says, hey, Chris, they know you. And you can do community together and you can fight the fight. Because the other piece of this is that the reason that these people are being able to be picked off is because they've been hurt by the church and been hurt by Christians. And so they've been, in some ways, they've pushed away from the community that they should come into. And so they're by themselves and they're hurt and they're lonely. If you've ever seen National Geographic or Animal Kingdom or whatever, the animals that are susceptible to the lion and the predators are the ones that are hurt and alone. And that those Christians that are hurt and alone are the ones that are most susceptible. They're outside of community. They're most susceptible to the devil prowling and looking for them and taking them out. Because here's what I've seen. Somewhere along the way, someone believed and trusted that God's word is I can share who I am with someone. And they'll stand firm and have my back. But instead of having my back... They've taken the things that they know about me and they use it as a sword against me. And they injure me. They hurt me. And so they literally stab in the back. And so instead of having my back and fighting me and fighting the good fight, they actually hurt me. 
And so that you have this church community of fellowship here and then outward looking. And when someone gets injured, what should happen is the injured should be brought into the inner part of the circle so they can be cared for, so they can be brought to life, so that they can be anointed with oil. So all the different healing things need to happen so that at some point when their things are good, they can be back on the circle together fighting with us. But too many times, instead of even putting them in the middle of the circle, we kick them out. Because they're too injured or because we don't deal with those sins. Instead of saying we need you here. So imagine, is it any surprise then for us, especially in American church, that people don't want to be a part of it? Because the very things that scripture tells us is that we should be leaning into and be a part of the healing with each other instead of having each other in the back. But for us. To be able to grow together means to be in community and say, listen, I may not struggle with the things that you struggle with, but you don't struggle with the things that I struggle with. But I'm going to get back to back with you so that we can fight. And so with the the things that you're tempted with, I can call them out and we can fight them. The things that I'm tempted with, you can call them out and we can fight them. We can stand together, strong together, as the other part of that scripture says, stand firm. That's a military term. If you've got your cleats on, you're girded up, and you're together, back to back, ready to fight against the enemy, not each other. In community. And so Jesus been led out into the desert. He was going to be tempted. And this is one of those verses, the next verse. I think it's one of the most obvious verses in scripture. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became hungry. <laughs> Duh. Right? Um, if you've ever fasted, you do get hungry. And the piece and part of that is the spiritual practice is that when you do get hungry, it makes you be reminded of the fact that I don't hunger after bread alone. I hunger after the word of God. Or I'm, God, I, I'm needing Something from you, a breakthrough from you. And so you're pleading every time that there's a hunger pain. And and I know I don't look like it, but I have fasted before from food, actually. And um, and I will tell you, like it does. There is something in fasting. Talk to your doctor or whatever. But in fasting, that does just spiritual breakthroughs in your life. And so here Jesus has been fasting and praying and deep thinking in the midst of that. And so during that time after the fasting the devil came and said to him, if, and that if literally is since. So since you are, the devil knows who he is. Jesus knows who he is. And so the word is since you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He's hungry. So God can, Jesus can solve it. Here's the, here's the issue. You've got little stones all around. Just make it turn into bread. You can do it. And Jesus doesn't. Jesus answers that temptation with scripture. And I think that's one of the things we need to learn is that we can fight Temptation with scripture speak truth to the lies and Jesus told him no the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God and this phrase mouth of God we think just like from the lips but this is a deeper phrase of that the word of God comes from the inner depth of his gut okay so from the inner depth of god's gut comes the word of god so these aren't just casual words off the top of his head these are things that god himself has ruminated on and then has spoken so that when you read scripture when you hear scripture these aren't casual words that god's just throwing out these are things from the depths of god's character and will and heart and soul and all that he is in wisdom other than us he's giving it over to us and so it's reliable and unchangeable 
Because it's come from the mouth of the God Yahweh. And so it allows us then to overcome temptation because in that we can be obedient, we can be trustworthy because it's God's word. It's not flippant. It's solid foundation for us. And that's what Jesus is saying. I'm not going to turn these stones into bread because God's word is my bread. And it's so much more than just a loaf of bread. So then the devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem and put him to the highest point of the temple. And he shows him everything that's there. And interestingly enough, the devil knows scripture. We even see that in Genesis. He twisted the words of God and that's the first fall of temptation. And he said, if since you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. Now remember in chapter 3, I just told you that God had said to him, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so basically Satan is saying, show the world that what God just said is really true. That's the temptation. To get greedy for more from the father. And he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that not even one foot would be home. So you can imagine a crowd of people and Jesus jumping off and all of a sudden angels come and immediately what would have happened? People would have applauded and people would have been like, wow. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it's not my time. And Jesus again responded with scripture. You must not test the Lord your God. He's telling him scripture in context matters. That we get matters, the word of God has to be in context. So next, the devil then takes him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And so the temptations that Jesus has worked through is through the physical things, the, the, the things that he could have wanted and maybe even said, some would say he needed, but then also the greed that he could have had more and get it quickly. And then also here is a spiritual Temptation. So next the devil takes him to the peak and says, all of these kingdoms, as far as you can see, these can be yours. Which is tempting. And Jesus, in the midst of that, he says, I will give it all. This is Satan talking to Jesus. I will give it all to you if you'll just kneel down and worship me. Because here's the deal. Jesus knew what was to come. He saw the cross in the forefront. And so what Satan is offering him is easy. If you'll just kneel to me, all of these people will worship you. I will give them to you. Jesus, do you really want to go through the cross? Jesus, do you really love these people that much that you're willing to go through what you're having to get ready to go through for the next Three and a half years. Here's your out. Just worship me. And Jesus responds, get out of here. It's pretty strong language. Not cussing, but pretty strong. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus saw an out and said no. Sometimes the things that we're tempted with seem reasonable, seem spiritual, seem like you're doing a God a favor, but are not what God wants you to do. So you have to search. You have to be in community. 
You have to have people that have your back that can help you say, eh, I don't know. Because Satan knows God's word and will whisper things that sound very similar to it to distract us. Again, I've told this before, but one of the fastest growing churches in Denver where I came from is a church of Scientology. And when you walk in, and people from the church that I was at were going. And from other churches. And when you walked in, it would have a quote from Deepak Chopra, from Oprah, from the Apostle Paul, from Jesus, from all of this stuff. And there's bits and pieces of truth to each of that. And Satan does that. From the garden to the day. He knows scripture better than us. And he's going to use it against us. Be in community. Be known. So that someone can know you and love you. Even in spite of you and says, I've got your back. Your weaknesses are not mine, but I've got your back. I'm going to fight with you. And if you get wounded, I'm going to bring, I'm going to be a part of the healing process for you and with you. We are going to do life and church and discipling of Jesus different than ever is, is being done. We want to do it the way that Christ has called us to do. And it is hard work to do it. But it's worth it. Because here's the deal. Temptation is going to come. This afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, Monday is going to come. One of the things, I was a student pastor for a long time, and one of the things I would consistently tell students and their parents is like, listen, you're coming from camp, you're coming from a mission trip. I know you love Jesus like a lot right now, but Monday's coming. And you had this perfect little picture at camp or on a mission trip, But Monday's coming. And the same is true for us. In those moments where God has blessed us and we've been evident that the hand of God is moving in us, be ready. The devil's coming. Make sure you're in community and not alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for community. Thank you for other disciples of Jesus that are sitting at your feet and want to have my back and have the back of others. Father, may we turn the weapons that we can use to hurt each other against our true enemy. And instead of stabbing each other in the back, may we fight the good fight with each other and for each other. May you be brought glory and honor to the way that we fight for each other and the way that we struggle together against the one that's prowling and looking for our injured. May our injured here never get outside of our circle. May we drag them back in. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.